0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. So we are going to be delving into the book of John, chapter 11. And before I get started, I just want to remind those that have not yet, um, that would like to receive the podcast as soon as it's published, please don't forget to download the Anchor FM app and to choose me as a favorite so that you can be notified as soon as a new podcast becomes available. Thank you so much. And once again, I so appreciate your support and participation. I'm so enjoying doing this Bible study and I'm, I just really, really appreciate all of the support that I have received. So I'm praying that you will be blessed by today's podcast. So let's get started. So this is a familiar um, story. It deals with Lazarus, the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Um, For some that may know it and some that may not, I'm hoping that you will gain some new insight as we read the scriptures today. So I'm going to start from verse 1, chapter 11 of the book of John. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her uh, hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. And so basically, it's just giving us the introduction of what's happened. Okay, who Lazarus is, uh, you know, Lazarus, Mary and Martha are all siblings and we see Martha, Mary, sorry, earlier in the scriptures, as the one that came to the Lord and anointed him with oil and made that greatest sacrifice. Um, you know, amongst the Pharisees and Sadducees, and where she was so criticised for, for in their eyes, wasting the oil um, on on Jesus, and Jesus basically gave her, you know, such an honour of you know, recognizing the level of the sacrifice that she made of deeming him worthy of preparing him for the upcoming um, crucifixion that he was going to have to go through. And, um, you know, she is so widely remembered for that. Um, So we see that and we see that they send a message to, to Jesus and they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And that really stood out to me because, you know, as believers, those of us that are following Christ and and doing our best to walk upright and follow him as best as we, we can. And when things happen in our life that just don't make sense, that we say, God, why am I experiencing this? Why am I going through this, Lord? Haven't I been faithful? Haven't I followed you? You know, we can so often come to God with that mindset of, God, you know, I've been faithful, I've followed, you know, I've followed your ways, I've listened to your word, I've repented when I've sinned, and why are you allowing this to happen to me, and as I read the scriptures, that's what it reminded me of, Lord, the one you love, like they're reminding God, like they're saying, God, you love this one, you can't let this happen, he's sick, come on, you need to move, and we know, the Bible tells us very clearly that God loves all of us, even those that are not following him, he loves, you know, um, There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more than what he currently loves us. Um, so, So God is never short on loving us. But so often we feel the need to remind him, remind him, even though we know it's not by our works. But we feel the need to remind him. And so that's what that brought to mind as I read that. Verse four, when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God. So that the son of God may be glorified through it. And it's pretty self-explanatory in itself. God is, Jesus is basically saying, listen, okay, he's sick, but I'm going to do a miracle in this situation. You are going to give God glory in this situation. No matter what we are dealing with. No matter how dark it is or how impossible or hopeless it may seem. It's ideal ground for God to be glorified. And it's so hard when we're in the midst of that struggle or challenge or tragic situation to see it that way. But that's what the Bible, the scriptures are telling us, that how we need to look at our situations, difficult situations that we encounter and go through. We need to see them as opportunities for God to be glorified. Whether it be through what God does, whether it be through our faith, so many elements that God can be glorified in that situation. Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Verse six, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And, you know, (laughs) we read that and we think, you know, well, God, why would you stay two more days where you were? Now, I think, you know, where it starts off by saying that he loved them. Again, like I said before, we know God loves all of us, even the sinners, even people that are not following God, that are doing all kinds of outrageous things with their life, sinning over and over again, doing some of the most outrageous, atrocious things. God still loves them. He doesn't love what they're doing, but he does, he still loves them. So we know that, but I feel what this was saying is these people were righteous. These people were following God. These people were doing the right thing. and And, and, and that should be a comfort to us believers because I've mentioned it in previous podcasts. Sometimes when we encounter hardship, we question, God, are you displeased with me? And that, you know, this this scripture is basically saying, no, God, the hardship doesn't mean God is displeased with you, basically. You know, he loved them. But he stayed two more days. And so we have to say, why would he stay two more days when he hears that they're in need? And these are people that are faithful. These are people that love God. Why would he stay two more days? Well, you know, I've always believed that that that's an indication of the fact that these people had faith, that they loved God, that they were followers of Christ, I believe played a part in why he stayed two, two days. Because I believe that God wanted to perform a miracle in their life that was so much bigger than what they could even have hoped for as a way of saying, because of the faith that you have in me, the miracle that I'm going to perform for you is going to be such a blessing in your life and it's going to change you forevermore. And, and you know, that that really, I believe for most of us can really, be relevant to us because i'm sure there's been times where we've questioned god why is it why has it taken so long and i believe god is showing that sometimes the length of god coming through for us is in order to strengthen our faith with a greater miracle in fact the level of our suffering can be an indication of the level of the miraculous testimony that God wants to give us. And he also teaches us, I believe, patience on how to wait on God. The Bible tells us that patience is a blessing to the Christian walk. In Romans 12, 12, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for it. Famous scripture that most people know, 1 Corinthians 13.4 says love is patient. We have to hold on to these scriptures that patient in affliction, patient, being patient when you're dealing with something difficult and being faithful in prayer and joyful in hope. Those are the, those are the ingredients of a powerful miracle happening. Being still before the Lord, meaning not trying to do it in your own strength, not trying to run ahead of God, but being still before the Lord and waiting patiently before him. That is a testimony of our faith and trusting God. And love is patient. Maybe it's an unsaved family member that you've been praying about for years and you are saying, God, why have you not saved this person yet? Maybe it's a spouse. But God is saying, love is patient. It shall come to pass. Be patient, be hopeful, be faithful in prayer. And it shall, your miracle shall come to pass. So, I, you know, I really believe that that's what that is teaching us, is showing us. Verse 8, Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the jews tried to stone you and you're going there again basically jesus is saying let's go to judea again to the disciples and the disciples are saying jesus come on they just tried to kill you there and you want to go back there there are going to be some things that god is going to ask us to do that is not going to make sense to us or to others and it's going to look like we're walking into dangerous territory but that's where we have to trust that he that is with us is. It's not going to forsake us. And if God is with us, who can be, be against us? So, you know, I hope that we can grab on to these scriptures and, and really make them relevant to our own personal walk. That sometimes it isn't going to make sense to us, or sometimes it's not going to make sense to others. But the thing that we have to hold on, if God said it to us, if God told us to do it, to say it, to follow through with it, whatever it is. Just do it. Do it with that faith, knowing that God is not gonna tell us to do something and not going to see us through it and give us the victory in it. Verse nine, aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Now, in a previous podcast, I spoke about the light, the day and the night. And, you know, I think that in this particular scripture, I'm taking this both in the natural and also, again, in the spiritual. In the natural, he's saying, come on, you know, stay time. You know, in daytime, you know, there's less danger, okay? You know, we can see clearly where we are. We can see who's ahead of us and what's ahead of us. But I also think that this is taken in a spiritual context, that I'm with you, and if I'm with you, I'm the light. And I know where I'm going, and I know what's ahead, and I know the dangers that are ahead of us. And Jesus is saying, as long as I'm walking with you, so I've told you to, to do this. That means I'm walking with you in it. If I've told you to hold on and to believe me for your healing, I'm walking with you in this. No matter what you go through, no matter how dark it may get, I am the light. I am the day that's going to come into this situation. And then he he, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Verse 12, then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but therefore he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. And you know, this is pretty self-explanatory. Jesus is telling them he's fallen asleep. And they're seeing it in the natural. What well, if he's going to wake up? Why are we even risking our lives and going there if he's going to if he's going to wake up? And you know, I do sympathize with the disciples. It's very easy for us to sit back and say, "Oh gosh, you know, we would have just gone," but would we? This was their lives that were on the line too. And you know, the risk of them going out there to, you know to Judea, knowing that the Jews were looking for any opportunity to murder them. It must have been so difficult for them. But that's where faith has to prevail, over our doubts, over our fears. And so, they're, you know, they're thinking, then when he's talking about he's asleep, they're thinking, you know, well, why on earth are we, are we even risking our lives for someone that's asleep? Let him just wake up. But, you know, the Bible talks many times about death, natural death. As being just as if you're asleep if you look in Ephesians 5 14 you know it says awake you who sleep you know so so that's just showing us that's just again reiterating that when we die in this world it's not eternal death okay there is gonna come a point when we are gonna awake again and I hope that encourages someone who maybe has lost someone and they're still struggling with that, that, the grief of losing them, thinking that maybe they won't see them again. Well, if that person was a believer in Christ, yes, you are going to see them again. And that's why it's so important of us, whilst we're alive and whilst we have our family and our loved ones and, and people that we care about around us, it's so important for us believers to bring them to Christ because we wanna spend eternity with them. There's gonna come a point when we're all gonna be together again, eternally, never to die. And that's why the Bible talks about death, where is your sting? Because when Jesus died on that cross and rose again, he basically said to the devil, death, where is your sting? Okay, you may try to threaten them with this and threaten them with that, but one thing you will never have over them is eternal death. And that should make us so joyful. And that should make, whenever we are facing situations where us ourselves may be facing a natural death, the hope that we can hold on is that we shall awake again and rise with Christ and with those that we love in Christ. So I hope that encourages you. Anyway, I want to continue. In verse 12, then the disciples we said well i've said this already the disciples said to him lord if he has fallen asleep he will get well jesus however was speaking about his death but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep so jesus told them plainly lazarus has died i'm glad for you that i wasn't there so that you may believe but let's go to him verse 16 then joe then thomas called twin said to his fellow disciples let's go so that we may die with him and what's so ironic about this this is the same thomas that doubted jesus had come back when he resurrected, and this is a, this is where we get doubt the, the term doubt in Thomas from. He was the one that wanted to see the nails in Jesus's hands. He wanted to see proof, like so many of us. God, I need proof. I need proof that this is real. Well, it's hard for me to believe. I need proof that human nature of us have, have wanted to see proof. But but look at this Thomas here. You know, we've given Thomas such a hard time. But look, this is Thomas that says, "Let's go." He's telling the other disciples, "Let's go." He's willing to die with him. And I believe what that shows is the frailty of human beings. You know, one minute we can have faith and one minute we can be so, so bold and strong in our faith and the next minute we can be doubting. And and I believe that's why God shows us these things in the scriptures that not one of us should ever feel so confident to believe that we are never gonna experience doubt. We're never gonna experience fear. Yes, we are, but we should never allow those things to dictate us, those, those things to control us. God shows us time and time again that we are susceptible to these things. And this Thomas right now is walking in boldness. Come on, I'm willing to die with you, Christ. And I think that's so encouraging to know. And, you know, in John um, 20, 26 to 29, Jesus talks about, um, when, when when Thomas doubts, Um, Jesus when he asks for proof. Jesus says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And we need to hold on to that because we are those people. We have, we weren't the disciples that physically saw Jesus and physically touched Jesus and saw these miracles, but we believe and we are so blessed. So we should be encouraged by that. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. So, you know, he's gone there. Lazarus has been buried for four days. And Martha comes to meet him. Again, the frailty of human beings. Look, this is a Martha that was so busy working when Mary was the one that was seated at Jesus' feet. But now it's Martha that comes to him. And Mary remains seated. And again, I believe it's highlighting the frailty of human beings. How one minute we can be so busy doing our own thing. But the next minute we can walk in in boldness. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Look at this. Look at what Martha. Martha is demonstrating her faith in God. Look, God, I know that who you I know the power that you have. And I know if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But I think what this is showing, look, she's saying. But even now, I know that even though he's dead and even though this situation looks impossible, God, I believe that you can resurrect him. I believe that you can bring hope in this situation. I believe that you can bring deliverance in this situation. And we need to take that to our own situations. Things that have looked so dead, so hopeless. Things that we've buried and believed. Dreams that we've given up on. Hopes that we felt are hopeless. Never going to happen. But God is saying, I can resurrect that thing. So I hope that we can really be encouraged by that. Verse 23, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. I believe that Jesus is basically so pleased by the faith that she's showing. He automatically says your brother will rise again. Martha then, now in the flesh, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? God is taking Martha to a deeper level in her faith. Yes, she had tremendous faith. But God is saying, I want to take you deeper. And as a Christian, that should always be our desire. Yes, I'm great where I am now. I'm following God. I'm fervent. I'm excited about the things of God. I love going to church. I love reading the word. I love praising God. But God wants to take me deeper. There's always a deeper level that God wants to take us to. And he's saying, do you believe this? Do you believe what I'm taking you to now? Never limit where God wants to take us because there's a deeper level of faith that it requires. Verse 27, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God, who comes into the world. Verse 28, having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as she heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, we can only speculate why Mary didn't go before. Was she so despondent? You know, so often you've had such faith. This is a Mary, she, she done such a sacrifice for God. She anointed his feet, you know. She sat at his feet while her sister was busy working. And so she probably never believed that she would experience something like this. Why would God allow her brother to die? And there's a time sometimes when things, life takes certain turns that we become so despondent that we question God how could you let this happen how could you let this thing happen to me but as soon as she gets word from her sister that the teacher is here she runs to him and she gets up quickly and she goes to him Jesus and it says in verse 30 Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Where have you put him, he asked. And I just want to park on that bit. He was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. I believe there comes a point. I, I mean, you know, so many there's so many different beliefs regarding what does his anger mean. But I believe that this is twofold. I believe he was angry at what? sin has done the fact that death came in and it's caused so much pain and misery to us God was angry at the pain and suffering that we were having to endure you know I I really believe that and he was deeply moved he was so moved by our suffering and our pain and suffering but I also believe that there was this righteous anger. And there was also this anger of, don't you believe that I'm God? Don't you believe that I can do this? Stop the crying. Believe in me. Believe in the power of God that nothing is impossible for me, nothing is too hard for God. So they say, Lord, so he, he says, where have you put him? He asked. And Lord, they told him, come and see. And this, this, the shortest sermon in the Bible, John eleven thirty-five. 35, Jesus wept. Famous two words, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Again, we see the battle. Some believe and some question in God. Verse 38, then Jesus angry in himself again came to the tomb, angry at the the people, the lack of belief, the lack of belief, some believing, but some counteracting that with their disbelief and wanting to see miracles and having to see a miracle before they can stand on the promises of God. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. So Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, he said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. I really believe that God is saying that some things, some things look so impossible and so much, so much tragedy has happened. But those are the things that God can do the greater miracle in. You can only imagine the smell, the stench of that situation. But God said, remove the stone. Jesus said to her, verse 40, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, obedience. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me because of the crowd standing here. I said this so that they may believe you who sent me. Once again, Jesus is showing always giving God's glory to God the Father, showing them that this miracle comes from God. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Sometimes we have to use our voice. Sometimes we have to speak those words into existence. The Bible tells us, Scripture tells us, that the power of the tongue speaks life and death. Jesus spoke with life. He spoke Lazarus to life. Lazarus, come out. Sometimes we need to speak to those dead situations. We need to say come out. We need to say, rise again. We need to speak life to those situations. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his fake face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sahandrin and said, what we are going to do since this man does many signs. What are we going to do since this man does many signs? If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. And basically, he's done this great miracle. Some, you know, just rejoice in it, but some go to the Pharisees because of their lack of belief, because... The devil is always rife in these situations because they knew how the Pharisees were going to react. And the Pharisees are now so concerned that so many people, because of these miracles, you've got to remember he's never risen someone from the dead after four days. Yeah, he rose Jairus' daughter, he rose, you know, he, he's done healing. To, um, you know, after after an hour or a day or or a few, di- um, sorry, after a few hours or instant miracles, but he's never risen someone after four days. And so they're saying these miracles are getting ridiculous now. And they're worried about, you know, the outpour of belief that's going to come from this and the amount of people that are now going to become supporters of Christ. And what they realize is that the more supporters... That come, they're fearful that now the Romans may say you can't control your people, and that these people are going to um start to um come against Caesar. And so so, so they're fearful. So now they're saying we need to do something about this. So verse 49, one of Cephaeus, Salpheus, i probably pronounce that wrong, who was a high priest that year said to them, You know nothing at all, you're not considering that it's it's to your advantage that this man That one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish he did not say this on his own but being high priest that year he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not for the nation only but also to unite the scattered children of God so from that day on they plotted to kill him therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and he stayed there with the disciples. And I just want to stop there. You know, there's so much we can grab from these scriptures. You know, God wants us to really hold on to the fact that there's no situation, there's nothing that we can go through that God cannot deliver us from and take us through no matter how hopeless no matter how dead it seems sometimes it's a dream things we've given up on something that maybe god spoke to us years about and we no longer believe that's going to happen because of the amount of time that has passed but god shows us that if he said it it shall come to pass he may not always move as quickly as we wanted to we can see in the Bible time and time again when God prophesied something and it didn't it didn't come to pass until years later. We look at David when he was prophesied as being the king of Israel and how many years later before he became king. That's where the patience comes in. But never give up hope. Never give up on God. Never let that doubt and unbelief dilute what God has promised us. And so... We need to remain faithful and we need to speak life into dead situations. And we need to know that God is faithful and he will fulfill what he has promised us. So I hope that you were encouraged by today's podcast and I hope that it ministers to you and is relevant to whatever it is you're dealing with. Please, if you were blessed, please share it with someone who needs that encouragement. And I pray that it will encourage you and inspire you to get into the Word for yourself so God can reveal things personally to you and give you the discernment that you need because God speaks to us individually. And God may say something completely separate to what he said to us today. He may say something to you that is so profound and can give you the faith that you need to face some situations in your life that maybe you're dealing with or maybe are yet to come. So I love you and I thank you once again for listening to today's podcast and I thank you for your support. Be blessed, brothers and sisters. Until next time.